Amen. Good word. Good evening. How are you? Good. Can you hear me? I can't. All right. Now I can hear a little bit. Good. Uh, let's turn to James 4, 6. We have been talking uh, for several weeks on humility and grace, and I want to jump right into that. And um, that's a really good message that you had, Stephen. There was, to go along with that, uh, before we start, in Romans 8, 1, are y'all familiar with what it says there? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Anyone? Uh huh. There we go. There is now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, what is? Let me ask you this: What is condemnation? Judgment. Somebody said. Talking down to somebody. Shame. Guilt, made to feel useless, spirit of oppression, these are all good. <laughs> so, if you look at the, um, I just had it pulled up, I put it away, but oh well, we'll go back to it, hold on. If you look at the exact definition of that word, the Greek word is katakrima, which is an adverse sentence or a verdict. And then if you go into further looking at that, let's see what else, a penalty. Look at a, another definition, this is Thayer's Greek, a damnatory sentence or condemnation. So when you're in Christ, it says that there is now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. All right? So how many people are born again? I have some born again people here. Are you, ex are you excited about it? Are you sure? Just checking. <laughs> you don't want to know what I'm thinking right now. All right, so there is now, no, you really don't. There is there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no now, there's no verdict, adverse verdict. There's no adverse sentence on us. There's now no damnatory sentence, correct? All right, so I heard somebody say it like this just last night as I was listening to some teaching. They said, condemnation is a con confirmation of damnation. That's what that word, confirmation of damnation. Um, so now let's look at healing. Is healing a part of damnation? No. But was sickness a part of the curse and a part of damnation? So if now there is no damnation, 
no confirmed damnation, no guilty verdict, damnable sentence in Christ Jesus, can any curse stand up or should it have the right to stand up? So it's one of the best places where you can see that sickness, disease, poverty, lack, none of that is in Christ Jesus. And if we have any of it in our life, we have believed a lie. We have been sold a bill of goods that is not true. And uh, so anyway, that goes along with what Stephen was saying, you know, that God, God's will needs to reign, but his will will not reign if we don't know what his will is. So you can go, you can take this verse and combine it with uh, Deuteronomy 28, where the blessing and the curse is listed out. And you will find that there's a whole list of stuff under the curse that we are now redeemed from that is no longer a part of you. And every part of the blessing is a part of you. And if anything is contrary to this, to the, if anything is contrary to condemnation, then it's yours. Anything contrary to a damnable sentence is yours in Christ Jesus. So in, in Deuteronomy 28.61... Uh, right before that, before 61, it lists all the diseases. And then it says, uh, and any disease that's not named here, are all of those, all diseases named and unnamed, are part of the curse. And then Galatians 3.13 says that we are redeemed from the curse. So in other words, you think about any problem that you have right now that's a part of a corrupted, cursed world, which you can find the list in uh, Deuteronomy 28. You, and you should go and read that list so that you know what you have and what you don't have in Jesus Christ. All right. So if you go to that place, then you can see what's supposed to be yours and what's not supposed to be yours. And when you see that, you'll be able to look in your life. Now you go into your life, and if you see anything that's happening in your life that falls under the damnable sentence, under the curse, under condemnation, it shouldn't be happening in your life. So it's there for a number of reasons, a couple of reasons. Either one, uh, you didn't know about it until then, or two, you've allowed it to be there. So when we realize that we can change the whole reign, you know, the reign of God that he was reading in uh, Matthew 6, when you realize that, then all of a sudden you can say, I can bring God's reign into my life and these damnations have to go? They sure do. There is now, therefore, no confirmation of damnation in your life. And uh, I just really like the way that that came across. Yeah. So. All right, James 4, 6. It says this, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, we talked about this, the greater grace is whatever the problems are that you're facing in your life, there's already been a grace that has been given to your life. There's already been a grace that goes above and beyond that problem. You remember Paul's thorn in the flesh? 
And you remember, a lot of people use that as, well, we're going to have problems in this life. Well, I just gave you scripture that shows you you shouldn't be living in the problems. You should be, they may come up, but you know what to do with them. Amen? You know what to do with them. You know where they belong, right? Amen. I just showed you, just showed you where they belong. Back in hell with the devil. Amen. So that's where your problems belong. But here's the thing. doesn't mean that you're not going to have any. Jesus said uh, that you will have persecution. All right. Now, Jesus wasn't making a bad, con a bad confession right there. Obviously, he's Jesus. He didn't sin. That wasn't a bad confession. He was telling you about a truth that will come. But what he's expecting you to do is understand that there's no condemnation, there's no damnation, there's no curse that for those who are in Christ Jesus. So even though the problem will come, you will know what to do with it. You will know how to think positive thoughts on it. In other words, there's a greater grace, a greater grace that's already given that's bigger than every one of your problems and it was all paid for in Jesus Christ Amen. and he says and and what did uh, the Lord tell Paul Paul said I had a thorn in the side a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me and uh, and I sought the Lord on the issue more than a few times basically is what he said and the Lord said to me he said my grace is sufficient for you now, I've heard that preached where he says, where uh, I've heard it preached, and this is, I would say, not the right way to preach it, is that, well, you are going to continue in this problem, but your fellowship with me is enough to sustain you. And you ought to just be happy that you have fellowship with God. Right? Right? Now, y'all have had better teaching than that, but that's how I've heard that. So everybody's like, Brian, you need to hush up with that. I, I agree. I need to hush up. All right. So, but the other side of that is, here, this could be, you tell me whether or not this lines up with the promises of God or not. He could be saying, Paul, stop asking me to do something my grace that I've already given that's greater is sufficient, yep. put it into practice. Yep. Amen. So one of the things we've been talking about in all in is we get to that point where God asks us to go all in. You know, on Sunday mornings, we've been in that series. There's this kind of this line that we cross in maturity. And at that point, we decide we're either going to be uh, scalding hot for God or really cold, or we're going to be lukewarm with a foot in both worlds, which really stinks for the Christian. And we have to decide, what are we going to do? And I would say that this was one of those moments for Paul where he was saying, Lord, get this, you know, demonic spirit to leave me alone well god had already told us who rebukes the devil who resists the devil you resist the devil and he will flee from me wait a minute what did it talk about right before that verse it said submit yourself to god let me put it like this humble yourself to god Resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, this is the exact same thing that he was telling Paul. Here's this devil. Humble yourself to the truth of my grace. Same thing here in James 4, 6. But he gives a greater grace. Is greater grace already given in your life, whether you're seeing the manifestations of it or not? 
Yes. Is greater grace given to you before you accepted Christ? In other words, was there a grace out there that you could step into freely at any time? Any time you could step into that grace. But it was sitting there waiting on who? Us. To humble ourselves to the things of God and say, Lord, I need you. So no matter what you're seeing in your life or what you're going through, there's a grace in God already paid for waiting on us that's greater than the problem. There's a greater grace. In other words, we're expecting grace to solve problems before they come, but there's some things that we can do to step into a greater grace. This is why he talks about it. There's some things that we can step in. In other words, if we got born again and grace just fell on us and we never had to do anything and never played any role or we were not a participant with God, we would just get born again and life would be tea cakes and roses and skipping around with the angels and singing hymns about how great everything is, right? Anybody experience that? <laughs> well, that was kind of my response. <gasps> Me either. Why? Because we had some learning to do. We had mind renewal. We live in a world that was corrupted by sin. And although we have received a greater grace, we, you, I, we have a responsibility to move. I've always seen this recently as two different playgrounds. And Stephen made mention of this in the offering. In the devil's playground, John 10.10, 10, uh, if you want to throw that up, John 10.10 10 really shows you the two playgrounds. And in those playgrounds, the owner of that playground, he really loves to do certain things. And the devil loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And you don't want to live in his playground because stealing, killing, and destroying goes on there. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and in the Amplified, it really brings out the fullness of it. It says, to the full, till it overflows. Life and life abundantly. Life and life in more abundance. That sounds like greater grace. Now, here's the thing. I can be born again and choose to live in the devil's playground. I can choose to live here. And I would say that this corrupted world teaches us that that's where we're supposed to live. That it's, it's just like this here. In heaven, it'll get better. And then you'll be in God's playground. But that is not what the Word says. The Word says there's a greater grace. A grace that's greater than your issues. That's greater than your problems. And part of the way where grace is given, or I should say grace is received, is when we learn how to get humble. When we put on Humility. Submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But here's the thing. In the same world that teaches us that that's not available also teaches us that, well, they shouldn't talk to you like that. Which teaches you to stay in the same place. You deserve better, right? You don't have to put up with that. She shouldn't talk to you like that. And what does that do? <laughs> no. What does that do? Is that, let me ask this question. Is that humility or pride? 
And so in pride, is that the devil's playground or God's playground? And so which one, which fruit are we going to experience? I know sometimes some people, I mean, they'll be, they just want to get in a lawsuit with everybody because somebody did them wrong. And you know what? They may have actually done them wrong, but the problem is they're trying to solve it in man's ways, not God's ways. And that man's ways outside of God's order, guess what playground it puts them in? And then they wonder why they're tied up in a lawsuit all these years and they're so angry and fussing at people and it's just not right. And now they've lived they've 10 years, 15 years ticks off and all they've experienced is mad with the world when they could have had the joy of the Lord on day one. And guess who would have blessed them, provided for them, protected them? God. But it comes back to resisting the world's ways and accepting God's ways. We've got to put on humility and not pride. So let's look. We've been talking about this. We definitely, if you haven't heard this, you're going to, I would recommend going back and listen to all these because this is huge. We talked a couple weeks ago about the humility of our thoughts in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, whatsoever things are good, pure, perfect, uh, you know, worthy of praise is how it ends up. If, in other words, if it's a negative thought, you know, if one person says something negative about another person, that's not from God. Not from God. And what's our job as Christians to do with it? Humble ourselves to what God told us to do. Stop meditating on that, even if it's a fact. We don't stay there. We help bring it to a place of light. So we talked about humbling ourselves in our thoughts. Why? So that grace could come on all the parties involved. Because we're not in it just to get grace on me. I'm not just trying to be humble to get grace on me. I want to be humble because Roger might need some of the grace that's, that's around me. I might, You know what? I might need some of his grace. Matter of fact, I can tell you and promise you I do. I need some of your grace. A lot. All the time. So let's look some more at humility. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them. That's real nice, Brian. You can keep on reading. <laughs> Is that in the Bible? Did I just read that? Is that for real? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Okay. You know, I'm your leader. I should be, at least. Maybe you haven't allowed me to be. I really would like to be your leader. So, <laughs> But sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's bad that we'll be sitting in a place and the world has taught us in this playground, and you don't need to listen to that, you just go do your own thing. You just think what you think. It's not what God said. It's not what God said. If he has put you in a place, it's more important about the place that you're in than the feelings that you're having. The feelings that you're having, they will lead you astray. But a place that God has placed you, 
There's some order to it and there's some ways and you need to pay attention to that. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now souls means your mind. So a lot of times, and I deal with this, it's constant. I could give you about 10 examples today, um, maybe in the last hour. All right. So um, there's a lot of times where the Lord is helping show me what people are up to and what they're thinking, right? And my job is to help oversee that. Why? So that if I can help keep your thoughts right and headed in a right direction, where do you, if your thoughts are right, where, where's your life going to be? Right, but if they're wrong, then where's your life going to be? And, and what this verse right here says is we help keep watch. Leaders help keep watch over that stuff. And so it's not right for me to be like, no, just think whatever you want to think. Have a good life. See you Sunday. That is not right. It's incorrect for me. I would not be a godly leader to do that. I am concerned about what you're thinking. I am, I am thoughtful and prayerful over who you are and what you're thinking. And for me not to be would be wrong. But here's the thing. You play the part in it. I don't, you know, I don't know everything that's going on in your mind, but I can probably help you. Probably a lot. It's probably why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen to this last part. This is humility. Look, humility is that submit to them part. Now look, is submission really needed when you agree? Let me ask that again. Is submission really needed when you agree? Then in other words, what God's asking us to do, and you realize I, I have to do this too. I mean, it's not, I'm not just talking to you. I'm, you know, my leaders tell me stuff I don't want to hear sometimes. I mean, it's almost never, but anyway. <laughs> uh, no, but they tell me some stuff I don't want to hear. I can remember one specifically last year. My leader told me, I think this is going to happen. I didn't want to hear it. At that moment, I wanted to be like, la, 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 la. I'm not listening. But I knew, I knew he was right. And I knew he was telling me because I need to start praying in a different direction. Man, I knew he was right, but I did not want to hear it. But I needed to submit to the word or else I wouldn't have been prepared for the moment. I needed to submit to the word, to the leader, or else I would not have been prepared for the moment. I didn't agree. I was hoping he was wrong. But I submitted myself anyway. Submitting doesn't happen when you agree. Submitting happens, in other words, when God's asking you to do something is when you disagree, when you have a problem with what they're saying. Well, that ought to be eye-opening to us. And, and listen, this is what humility is all about. Not when everything's hunky-dory and we just see eye-to-eye on everything. <laughs> that is not it. It's not when we're best friends. 
<laughs> you like that? I did too. I got a kick out of it. I'm glad you did. And then watch this. Not only are we supposed to submit to our leaders, but we're supposed to do it with joy and grief, not grief. <laughs> but that's the way we think sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to do it with joy. <laughs> I really want grief, but I'm happy. <laughs> our lead, and do you realize what this is saying? Our leaders, <laughs> this is so funny. Golly. The Lord's got a sense of humor, y'all. All right, so <laughs> what he's saying here is let your leaders be joyful and not grieving over your actions and your lack of submission. And why? Why do this? Because if your leaders are in grief over you, it's unprofitable for you. Right. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So... This is what I was thinking a few minutes ago. There's an old worldly saying um, that says, um, let me say this in a nice, unworldly way, that I'm about to lose my stuff, right? Right? Well, that's me tonight. So I'm not doing this in joy because there's a multitude of reasons that have caused me not to be joyful walking in here tonight. And that's why I think it's pretty doggone funny right now because he's telling me to get in joy when I don't feel like it. Because really, seriously, I mean, I've been doing a thing on Periscope, which is a new video thing, and part of what I've been trying to get across in that is that we don't do things, a lot of times people think, and this is going a different direction than I thought we were going to go, but it's real, it's real, okay? So a lot of times what people think sitting out in the pews and sitting out in the chairs is that, well, everything goes good for pastor because he's anointed to be a pastor. That is the biggest bunch of junk I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's junk. No, if it goes well with them, per, here's the first thing. First of all is, most people do not see what actually happens. And then if something is affecting me or Nicole, 99% of the time, you don't know it. It's not that it's not bothering. Like tonight. And, and some of you that are close probably could pick up on it. Um, but here's the thing. And I wouldn't even be telling you about it if it didn't go right along with the message, Lord. You know, I wouldn't even be talking to you about it. But here's the thing. I can't tell you how many times that situation's been. And guess what? It's not about, it, it's not about a lot of stuff that's happening out there. Guess where the lack of joy has been? Anybody want to guess? Hmm? Let me hear it. Yeah, it's been in here. People not sharing, people not communicating, people not trusting, people not talking, people thinking the wrong things, listening to the wrong voices. Somebody asked me today, they said, what is your number one problem? I said, my number one problem is 
people listening to the wrong voices and then believing them and running with it. That's my number one problem. If, if that would cease, the majority of the problems that we have with running a church would go away. That's, that is, in seven years of ministry, that's the number one problem that I've faced. Is people will hear something from somebody or from the devil, they'll listen to it and run with it as if it's gospel. Man, if I could get them to pay attention to half the promises in the word like they listen to their brain and their friends, we'd have some. And if we could bottle it, oh my goodness. But that's half the problems. More than half. Half is, yeah, being real nice. But one of the things I was doing on that periscope was I was trying to show that the issues that you have are the same issues I'm having. The difference is I've gone enough down the maturity road where I know how to handle them. And if you will humble and submit to the leaders where God has placed you, whether it be Boomerang or wherever else, your leaders will be able to help you. But it takes communication on your part, and it takes uh, stop thinking that somebody knows something or thinking that you, you know what they're thinking. Yeah. Th- just communicate. Just talk, you know. That, that will solve more problems. Amen. More problems will be solved. Yeah. So many times. So, that, but the issue is, a lot of times, I have to believe God for healing the same way you believe God for healing. I have to believe God for time the same way you believe God for time. The difference is, and really if you go back to the all-in messages, the difference is I've just made that choice. I'm not living for me. I'm living for you and Christ in you. I'm living for him. That's all my decisions are based off of that. And I'll tell you, when you hit that place and it really becomes a reality, and you can want that. I believe that you want to live that way. But there's a difference between wanting to live that way and then actually living that way. There's a big difference. And that's the large gap and step that we have to make. But I'm telling you, when you make that, man, it just makes things so simple. And it just simplifies things. But it takes a humility. And what happens when we get in humility? Grace, grace comes. Grace comes. I, could, I was actually thinking, and, and this, this shouldn't, it shouldn't worry you, and I'm not going to do this, but I was literally thinking, because I could give you an example of this, how it's not been joyful, and I could go in each person and show probably within the last two weeks where there's been something that's been this problem. I was thinking about it ahead of time, and I decided to quit thinking on it because I was just getting more and more mad and having more and more of a hard time not to lose my stuff. So I just decided to stop thinking on it. Why? Because it's negative anyway. It's negative anyway. I don't need to do that. But it is important. Actually, I think you're probably getting more fed out of this than what I had notes to give you because this is very real. In other words, if you would just find that place, in the, like in this verse, where you submit yourself to leadership, and find, it doesn't mean when you agree. But I'll tell you this, the more that you submit when you disagree, the more you'll start to agree. And all of a sudden, you know, have you ever had an engine that's running rough, 
and then you get it fixed, and it's like, and then it goes, and it's really nice. That's what happens. When we first start this process, and when you're first submitting to a pastor and a leader, it, it runs rough. You know why? Because you got some blowback on, by your flesh. Your flesh carries a lot of gas with it. There's <laughs> a lot of the flesh in it. And the blowback isn't pleasant. <laughs> That's what your flesh carries with it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I communicate the point. But after a while, after a while, once you start reducing the flesh's in input, that engine starts to run better and smoother. And all of a sudden, what instead of kind of having one person going towards God and one going towards the flesh, that swings and then you got two people running towards God. And now how much more of a load can you carry in the kingdom of God? That's what this is all about. It's not about getting somebody to the place where, you know, they tell them. I, I was thinking a lot. Let, you got something? Well, good. Well, you can come on up and share it. So recently, I think I've been here now going on almost three years. Um, and I've grown to be really close with Brian and Nicole. Um, some of you may know that. But really, over the probably the last three or four months, what I've found myself doing is the Holy Spirit is checking me on, you need to reach out to Nicole. You really, you, you really need to reach out to Nicole. You really <laughs> need to reach out to Nicole. Let me pause. That right there is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And here's why. Because that's the exact same thing yes. he told us yes. when we were starting the process. Yes. So, but my flesh, what my flesh started telling me was, she's married. She has three kids. She's a full-time job. She's tired. She's got a lot on her. She's got to come to church, and she does all the AV stuff, and she's got to make sure everything is straight and organized and operating and running. How could she have time for me? That's what my flesh told me. But you know what? I had to get over it. Yes. Humble I had to, yourself. I had to humble myself. I had to realize that Nicole was here for a reason and that yes. I was called here for a reason and that I needed to use the resources I had in my hand. So we actually had this conversation. So we'd had a couple of interactions together and she really helped me quite a lot. And I said to her, you know, I've really had to put down the flesh about reaching out to you because I know you're busy and I know you're tired and I know you have a full-time job and I know you got a lot on you and I don't want to put any more on you. And you know what? She came back to me with a really wise thought. Deb, I'm called to do this. Yep. Right. When you reach out to me and I have a chance to sow into you and lead you on the right path and guide you with the right word, it lights me up. Yep. I get energy. I draw energy from doing this. My spirit stirs because I'm doing what God's called me to do. Now, all of a sudden, me reaching out to her is a part of an engine. Yes. Right? It's not me putting more burden on her. It's me actually helping her to 
flow in the Holy Spirit, right? And then she's helping me to grow and mature. And then I can actually do that, start to do that with other people myself. That's right. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So that's my testimony. And I love you. And in, uh, I, I may ask you a question. So, and in that, particularly the last couple of months after you started, you heard it, you put the flesh down, you started coming. Over the last couple of months, you've been doing that a lot. We have noticed, right? And, and I'll tell you our response to people that do that in a second. But I can tell that you have jumped hurdles taller and quicker than you were in the months preceding that because of that. Because when you come, we're anointed to bring strength and wisdom and anointing to you so that you can live the kind of life that God wants you to. That comes from that humility. And humility in this case was not listening to logic, but listening to what the Holy Spirit was leading you. Amen. Are those things correct? Yes, absolutely. Very correct. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for letting me share. So our, um, thank you for sharing. Um, I can tell you, and and Nicole and I have had this um, response to several people, and I kind of feel like they're surprised when we do this, is they will will see somebody that's hungry like you have been the last couple of months, and we're like, thank you. Our response to them is thank you. Well, see, if the logic was correct that you were talking about, that we don't have time, our response would not be thank you. But when you're sold out for God, you realize that somebody humbling and coming for that counsel and seeking those things, that advances the kingdom of God quicker. And it's not, and I can't tell you, over the years, over six and a half years, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I just didn't want to bother you because you're busy. Well, and All right, so let's go through the logic of that real quick. So I need somebody who will mess up. Come on. <laughs> all right, come here, Roger. So, so, <laughs> I love that. That people are like, oh, <laughs> just pick me. Let's get it over with. Amen. <laughs> I'd rather mess up here than out there. Praise God. Good. This one will be over quick. All right, so... <laughs> Thank you for your participation. All right, so let's say that Roger is making a decision, and he's here, and I'm his shepherd, right? And think about that word for a minute, but we'll talk more about it in just a second. I'm his shepherd, right? For a reason. (laughs) I'm a shepherd to him for a reason, and he, if we're using the shepherd analogy, he's a part of the flock of sheep. For a reason. That was very awesome. That was, that was, that was, I want to shake your hand. All right, so if I ever call for a a sound effect on cheap, I want you to do that. I don't care where you're sitting at, okay? All right. So if I point at you, I want you to do that on, on cue. There you go. All right. That was awesome. <laughs> All right, so, so let's say that he's being a sheep, right? And he's dealing with a life problem, right? I'm over here as the shepherd. He's searching for direction, right? He's searching for where to go. 
But he doesn't come check with the shepherd. So the Bible talks about it. He says that if one sheep gets lost, right? Well, if you start making these decisions without the input of a shepherd, a shepherd... Um, I don't have the whiteboard in here, but just, just think about it like this. Just think about the, the Lord chose a shepherd for a reason. He used that word for a reason. And let me just give you one part of it right here. A shepherd stands taller than the sheep. And what that's talking about is not position in the heart of God. That's not what that's talking about at all. It's talking about this. He has oversight over the flock, and he can see, he's got vision on where the flock needs to go. Where are their green pastures? Where are their traps? Where are their pitfalls? Where's the good path? They're anointed to do that. So a sheep that doesn't come and check with the shepherd before they start going on a major life decision, a major journey... They are basically saying, God, I don't want what you've given to me in a gift and an anointing. Now, is that sheep in that moment in pride or humility? It doesn't matter what your flesh or what logic or what the devil says about how busy the shepherd is. Well, he's over there and he's got so many sheep. He's, I can see him. He's moving all around, checking all of his sheep. I just don't want to go bother him. So I'm just going to go over here. There you go. All right. So he's just going to go over here. Well, look. All right. So now go over there and, and guess what's over there? The thing that the shepherd could tell him not to get into. And before you know it, this is what the shepherd's hearing. Keep it up. Keep going. Yeah. And now the shepherd's over here going, oh my gosh. The sheep that you gave me. <laughs> That's a legitimate thought. That was not a joke. All right. These sheep that you gave me. And they're over there. Now he's in a hole or he's caught up in some briars of the world. Which one took more time for him to come to the shepherd and me go that way? Or, now i got to leave these and hope they don't spread out so I can go get the one that didn't come to the shepherd. Which one costs more time? The not going to the shepherd. Right? And in that same analogy, if that sheep comes to the shepherd, and then... I, he says, hey, I'm facing this. This is the decision I'm making. Well, here's the other thing that I learned when I f first started pastoring. The first couple of years of pastoring, this is what happened. A sheep would come up and ask a question. Before that, I'm just like living life, right? I'm just doing whatever I'm doing. But all of a sudden, a sheep comes up and asks a question. All of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit motor turned on, like it flipped a switch. What prompted the anointing to start working the, the humility of the sheep operating in the ways and the order of God and all of a sudden there would come a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or there would come something that would answer the question and, and because the anointing is there to help point the way but it's not there unless the sheep comes and ask so it all comes down to 
Not, the shepherd absolutely needs to be called, but once we determine that he's called and I'm a part of his flock, the responsibility all comes back to the, sh to the sheep, to the flock. Now, my job is not there to go eat that piece of grass. Now eat that one. Now eat that one. Now eat that one. No, I just lead them to an area. It's not to get that involved in their life. But when you're making major life decisions or direction changes or have questions about it, or you're having a problem. I've been going through something. Don't stand out there going through something without coming to the shepherd. That, that's, that's the biggest thing. Don't do that. And, and here's what happens. So let's say the sheep is hurting. And I mean, let's say he, he's fallen into a, a place, a spiritual place, and he's got a gash in his leg, and he's sitting over there bleeding and hurting, but he never made a noise. He never called out. He never communicated to me. I walk over, and, I'm, and I find out you're hurting. Well, that's nice. That's too bad the camera couldn't see that part. He was at his foot all twisted. All right. So let's say I come over here and I find out he's hurting. Now I'm hurt. How do you think Christ feels for the people that don't receive him as Savior? How about if you, you know, we've gone through this before. Let's say you have the best recipe in the world and you make it and you spend time making it for somebody. And then they come over to your house and you set this beautiful dish before them and they go, no thanks. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, one, they don't trust you. Two, they won't be blessed. Number three, they can't bless others with it now. But one of the biggest hurts in that is they don't trust you. So you got a sheep over here trying to do it limp on his own, hurting, gashing, and I'm anointed to help get them out of that problem. Your leader is anointed to help, and yet they're over here trying to handle it by themselves because the devil has convinced them that they, they're supposed to man up and do it all alone. That is ungodly. Eventually, we should all get to the place where we are strong enough to stand on our own faith and operate. But even then, we should submit and obey because that wasn't a timeline on that verse. Well, when you get to this level of authority, you can stop obeying and submitting. That ain't in there. Matter of fact, I had a... Thank you, sir. <laughs> I had a situation where... Uh, I knew what to do. I had grown in maturity. This was several years ago. I knew what to do. I had the right answer. I'd sought the Lord. I knew it was from Him. I knew what to do, right? So I knew what choice was right. But I learned this lesson about my shepherd. Because when I learned this, when I saw the anointing turning on when people would come, and ask a question, I wanted to kick myself in the butt. Because I thought, how many years did my pastor have my answer? And I didn't humble myself and go get help just like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, because it was so real to me, and I saw what was happening between people that were coming to Boomerang and me, it was so real to me, I wanted to kick myself in the tail that I did not know that. Well... I've learned that lesson now. Thank goodness. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, I had that situation. I knew what the right, I knew what the godly answer was. But because I've learned that lesson, I went to him anyway. And I said, 
Now, and there's a thing about when you feel like you know the godly answer, there's another part of that, and there's a temptation that says, well, if I go to him, he might tell me I heard wrong, and I don't want to be wrong. Well, that's pride. Anything that would keep you away from that is generally pride. Because it's not according to the word, so it's not humbling yourself to God's order. It almost always is pride. But in this situation, and, and the truth is, I felt really secure that I had God's answer on this. I mean, I felt really, really secure. But even making the phone call, I'm like, I hope he doesn't tell me I'm wrong. Because I didn't want to be wrong. I wanted to be right. But you know what? I'm still learning too. And if he told me I was wrong, guess what? I just figured something out. I just learned. I just, I just grew a little bit. So later on, it's going to be better. So it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. Well, in that situation, here's what happened. I called him. He agreed with me. Praise God. I was right. But he also, within two minutes, he asked me one more question. And in that question, the output on my decision, I was going to receive 100% of the answer. But his question prompted me to add one little detail to it. And my output went from 100 to 150%. Because I engaged that anointing, because I submitted myself, even though I knew the right answer, it produced even more in my life. There's a power in humility. Let me think about it. There's a greater grace in humility. I think God had it right. So, let me... Say this, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And let, let me say it like this. Let me finish it like this, then I'll read it word for word. Let their account of keeping watch over your souls be joyful. Yeah. 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 For God's sake, and let me just ask you this personally, for my sake. For my wife's sake, let it be a joyful account that we keep. Please, I, I'd appreciate it. And that just means coming and, and, and asking a lot of times. And we don't want to get up all in your business. I do not care which blade of grass you eat or which side you start chewing it on. <laughs> I don't care about that. But I do very much care whether or not you fall into a trap. And let me... T let me Say it this way. You know, the shepherd has a hook and a rod. And the rod is to beat off the wolves. But the hook is to save the sheep. And let me just say, that thing, in other words, the sheep in danger had to be pretty close if it's going to be connected by the hook. So a lot of times these ditches and these pitfalls, we're called to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And a lot of times as we're going through this and the devil's got a target on your back because you decided that you were going to go all in at Boomerang on Sunday. <laughs> all of a sudden, the pitfalls, listen, as much as you don't want them to be close, they're close. But that doesn't mean that we can't walk by them with confidence. But we can't walk by them with confidence without engaging the anointing and the order and the way that God has set it up for us to go by them. The pitfalls, the traps, a lot of times they are so much closer 
recently in a conversation and, and I made a statement and, and people realized that I was talking about a very severe choice and they were, and they were going, well, we weren't there. We weren't that close. And I'm like, and Nicole and I both were like, you are closer than you think. We've seen it too many times. That's where the anointing of a shepherd sees those things. It's not all the small details in your life. It's simply helping to keep you out of the pitfalls, out of the traps, and keeping you in the places of life so that we together can go through the valley of the shadow of death and bring light to it, which is our calling, and not get trapped in it. And all that goes back to the flock's responsibility to humble themselves and obey. Not, and you know, most of you have heard my teaching on true submission and authority. So when I say obey and submit, it's not the perverse idea that the world has of that. It's based completely in love. But the devil, even you knowing that, he'll try to come in there and warp that thing and get it all twisted and turned around. And If it's negative, it's the devil. And you just got to throw it out. You just got to throw it out. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this lack of joy and this grief, it's unprofitable for you. So if you want to have a profitable life, do the kind of things that will bring joy to your leaders and not grief. Humble yourselves, not just to the leaders, Humble yourself for the sake of God because he asked you to do it. Amen? Amen. I, hope, I hope you kind of felt my heart on that tonight. And I thought we were going to go to a, you know, a lot more scriptures than one. But it's good. It's good. Lord, we just ask, you know, not just for, not just for everybody that's here, but everybody that's listening, everybody that might be watching on any medium. And Lord, I don't just ask for the people that are here and listening, but for me as well. Lord, let us see very clearly that our need to trust and follow and obey and submit, because all of those things are wrapped up in obeying and submitting. Lord, let us, let us be the kind of people that bring joy to our leaders, not pressure. Let us be the kind of people that increase our leader's potential and we don't dragline them. Let us be the kind of people that help carry the burden and the load of ministry and being the ambassador. To be the kind of people that help magnify and multiply the vision and not pull it down. Lord, that comes through obeying and submitting to our leaders in love, in the, in the right kind of love, not the, not the worldly, perversive submission and authority, but godly submission and authority so that your anointing can rise up in our leaders and that your anointing and your blessing can rise up in the hearts and the lives and manifest in the lives of every person hearing this. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night.